Hey everyone, welcome to Ascent Online. I am so glad uh, that you decided to join us this week. I'm out here just kind of watching cars. We got cars going all kinds of different directions, people going every which way. It's kind of like life, right? All kinds of people, all kinds of directions. And there is one thing that can unite them all. We're gonna talk about that today, but first we got something so special first. We're gonna take a moment to celebrate as people make a public declaration to have their lives changed, to go in a different direction and follow Jesus, this incredible thing we call baptism. And so check this out. My name is Kevin McCurdy. Um, I'm 11 years old and just coming here every week to service and just stick with God my whole life. Just to feel Him, see Him. Kevin, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It feels like something's like relieved off, like the pressure is just like taken off my shoulders of having to be all these things and that I don't have to be anything other than what he says. It's because of that truth of Jesus in your life that we're gonna baptize you, Josie, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, Jesus has been in my life for a while, but I'd say like Jesus really became like real to me when I saw her for the first time. From that moment forward, I felt closer to God. Kayla texted me on Monday and said, hey, you've been on my heart and there's this thing that we're doing at my church and I signed up and it was like within 24 hours and I got to tell Kelly and I was so excited and the whole family showed up. just something that's been calling calling me and I, and I know that it's a, it's a journey that I want to go on and I want to surround myself with people who are on that journey learn from them and and you know start to start to love myself through Jesus and um, that's that's the plan man. two years ago on the week of Christmas I was saved and ever since then our life has been very revolved around Jesus like the Ethiopian guy, it, it, it moved me. My relationship with Jesus has grown closer every single day since that. And I just, I work towards that relationship so much. Yeah. Adrian Hundy, I baptize you because of your profession of faith and you expressing how much you love God and you raising your hand that day, I'm gonna now baptize you in the name of that Jesus. That day that you did that service and she watched it, 
and she said, I want to get baptized. I was like, this is my moment. There it is. I, there's no way my baby's going to tell me she wants to get baptized, and I'm going to say no. You are so courageous, Brooklyn. I love it. How great is that to see? You know, the vision statement of this church is that people would see Jesus clearly and find life. And when we get to celebrate baptisms like that, that's what we're seeing. People who have seen Jesus and they are finding the full rich life that we believe that life with God is. Hey, we're getting ready to start a brand new series this week called Life Together, taking a really honest look at what the Bible has to say about how we all get along. And so we're gonna start in a way a little different than normal. You're gonna hear from two friends at Ascent talking about how they make life together work. I think you're gonna love it. Check this out. Start by just telling us who you are. And I'm going to you, right? Not yeah, to the camera? Just talk to me. Okay, yeah. uh, my name is Casey McCurdy. Uh, my name is Glenn Gizzy. Casey and I are fairly different people with pretty different backgrounds that have come to a very similar place in life from very different origins. I'm a software engineer, kind of leading a team of software engineers or several teams of software engineers right now. I build people custom furniture and I make music for things. I'm a pretty big sports fan. I wasn't earlier in life, but I am now. Super dumb, all of them, it's very dumb. Glenn is a perfectionist. I'm a good enoughinist. Like Glenn, I see him working with wood and with music and with whatever, and everything is just perfectly dialed in. And I'm like, eh, that's good enough. I grew up as a missionary kid and some church experiences were wonderful. Um, and last to this day, they usually tended to stem from individuals in the church that uh, had big influences for me personally. I grew up in a church just outside of a town of 2,000 people. It was hard wooden pews, very strict. That was my church upbringing. My ideal dinner out, first off, no kids. Just my wife and I, fogo to chow, all you can eat, just meat buffet. Oh, um, the whole family at Uchi in Denver, and their food is just out of this world. It's incredible. I will likely be voting for Joe Biden in November. Oh, I am voting not for Biden. Very intentionally, 100% not for Joe Biden. Uh, Glenn's a really good dude. I, I respect him beyond what I think you could respect anyone. Um, he's definitely a bit hotter than I am, and I don't mean by looks, I mean by his temper. There is one thing that we do have in common. We both just try to be the best humans, the best Americans we can be, 100%. and be the best people we can be for our families. And I think that tends to supersede politics. That tends to supersede ideas or whatever. I mean, we're able to take the teachings of Jesus and the Bible and the things that we learned at Ascent and throughout life and reach across those aisles in life to non-believers, Republicans, Democrats, independents, all the same. So I think it's, it's really an amazing thing that we, we've found and continue to cultivate. The gospel does not stop at a political disagreement or a philosophical problem with each other. The gospel is so much bigger than where we dislike each other and where we're not on the same page. We both believe in, in, in the teachings of Jesus and what he did and how it's impacted our lives 
we have this central guiding truth to us that, that just helps us, um, I think, navigate life and, and be who we are. these words from the message translation 2nd Corinthians 5 it says our firm decision is to work from this focused center that one man died for everyone that puts everyone in the same boat he included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life a resurrection life a far better life than people ever lived on their own 
because of this decision, we don't have to evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. It says, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. I love that so much. We're gonna sing a song together and it speaks to the fact that God is a way maker, a miracle maker. Gosh, we need that in this day and age. We need that now. God is the minister of reconciliation and gives us that ability to be reconciled to one another. And sometimes that feels so hard, so impossible, but we know God is a God of the impossible. So we invite you to enter in with us. It goes like this. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, you're working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. Sing that with us. You are here. Thank you. 
Hey guys, it's Jim. I'm out here at the corner of Dillon and McCaslin. And I just gotta tell you, I'm so inspired when I hear Glenn and Casey, I just go, those guys shouldn't be friends. I mean, <laughs> it just shouldn't. And yet somehow they are. And I think it's really because of the power of Jesus in their lives that unites people that otherwise would probably not even get along, much less be friends with each other. Uh, I came out here because I just, I just wanted to look and see, look at all these people. They're all going in different directions. They've all got different stories. You know, some people are going straight. Some people are taking left. Some people are going to work at the pizza store. Some people are uh, owning the pizza store. You know, some, some people are voting one way. Some people are voting another. Uh, just if you could just get all these stories and then wouldn't it be interesting if you could get some of them to pull up to the traffic light together 
roll down their windows and start to talk. I mean, how different human beings are. I, I, I bet we'd have fights on our hands out here just over whether who you vote for or whatever it is. Um, guys, we're all going in different directions, so many of us. And this month, especially of all months, uh, we're going to see the world going in different directions right before our eyes. And yet you see a story like Casey and Glenn and you go, what? Jesus somehow has this ability to bring people together and even potential enemies. Guys, how in the world does he do it? So we sometimes think that, you know, the world's way more complicated now than it was during Jesus' day. And so it must have been easier somehow for him. Not true, <laughs> not true. Jesus had to somehow bridge people that were so far apart. Uh, let me show you what I mean. So uh, I've got this nice little flip chart. Uh, Bill, I know you love it, Bill, when I pull out the flip chart. Here we are, McCaslin. Hey, everybody. You know, I, I, I would love it, actually, if people just come right here and sit down in this grass right in front of me and just, you know, I can teach them. So uh, not really getting any takers. So uh, let me show you. Obviously, I didn't draw this. My wife did. She's way more talented than I am. But I want to show you who the people were during Jesus' day. Who was he having to kind of navigate and deal with? And how did he do it? How did he bring people that didn't like each other together? Um, yeah, you had people like the Romans who were the conquerors, who took over everything, who everybody else hated because they, um, they enforced their will on the people. It was just, you know, nobody wants to be conquered. That's, that's what was going on in Jerusalem and Israel during this time. The Romans had taken over everything and they'd kind of cozied up. There was the wealthy, right? The, the people that had the money. Actually, the religious leaders were often in this group over here and they had kind of like made a deal with these guys and somehow these guys um, were friends and worked together. Then you had the poor, right? This is where Jesus was. Jesus was a carpenter swinging his hammer. You had the poor, the people that didn't really know where their next meal was coming from. Uh, and that's the vast majority of people. Then you had people who kind of played the middle. They were actually people that initially may have been poor, but kind of made a deal with the Romans and said, you know what, we'll help you here. Even though we're Jews, we're gonna help the Romans. And so they started collecting taxes for the Romans. They're flat out traitors. <laughs> so guess what? these people hated these people. So hated these people for obvious reasons. And then you had this other group really interesting group of people called this funny name the zealots and actually um, all they wanted was a revolt against these guys so they often came from the poor they became zealots they hated obviously the traitors and they wanted to kick out the romans in fact their name literally meant uh, the assassins and um, some translations put it as the daggers and that's why karen drew this little dagger right here um, they were people that wanted revolution and they actually wanted violent revolution. Uh, I want to read you something uh, that was written by an ancient historian during this time about this group that I think you're going to find interesting. 
There sprang up in Jerusalem a class of robbers who slew men in the daytime, right? Like in broad daylight, they're out there killing people. And in the midst of the city, they're not doing this in secret. They were very open. They did this chiefly when they mingled with the populace at the festivals and they hid short daggers in their garments and stabbed their enemies. The first to be assassinated by them was Jonathan, the high priest. So that's one of these guys, one of the wealthy was stabbed by one of these zealots. And after him, look at this, many were slain daily. You guys, this wasn't one or two people running around who were a problem. This was a whole group of what they called zealots who wanted to defeat the Romans and were willing to kill in order to do it. So when Jesus comes along and decides that he's going to unite some people toward a new vision, a new kingdom that's not going to be the Roman kingdom, it's going to be the kingdom of God. You would think that he would want to start the easiest way possible, but who does he include? When you look at Luke chapter 6, it talks about the people Jesus chose, his disciples, really a bunch of young guys, were not only the poor, you know, Simon, Andrew, these guys who were fishermen. He had Matthew, who was a trader and a tax collector. And get this, he had Simon, a zealot. Can you imagine, can you imagine the conversations between these two guys as they sat around the fire at night? Can you imagine the hatred that these guys would have come into the picture with and somehow Jesus took that and turned it into a group of people who were so united in a cause for the kingdom of God that the world has never been the same. How in the world did he pull it off? You guys, I'm going to get to that in a second, but first I want you to hear uh, Chris Sturgeon is going to tell us something really important right now about uh, where we're going as a church and what's, uh, what we're hoping that you'll consider doing next. So here's Chris. Hey, thanks so much, Jim. And listen, I'm sure the world that Jim is painting for you right now sounds all too familiar to the world that we're living in right now. I wanna talk for just a minute about one of the ways that we are trying to step into that space, and that's through core groups. You've heard us talking about them for a while now, but now they are happening. If you go to our website right now, there are 25 open groups waiting for you to find your place in them. And listen, there's a kind of group for every person. So don't just sit there thinking, I'm sure that's not for me. We've got um, a group up in Longmont. We've got a group just for single moms. There's one group that's called Playground Hoppers. So if you've got little kids, they're gonna meet at a different playground every week so the kids can play while the adults get to talk together. There's groups for young adults. There's groups for everybody in this church. Listen guys, in a world that's increasingly divided, this is our chance to be together. And that is a contrast to what we're feeling everywhere in the world right now. I'm sure every one of us who watched that debate this week feels it, right? The world seems so at odds with each other. This is our chance to be together. And listen, we're gonna take a look next at some words that Jesus spoke over 2,000 years ago that have so much to do with the world we're living in right now. So as we get ready to go back, let's tune our ears and our hearts in to listen to what Jim has to teach us. Jesus was a peacemaker. 
the core of who he was, he knew somehow to bring people that were going in very different directions together and unite them toward what God was doing in the world. How did he do it? You guys, we need this right now. Uh, I think this next month is gonna be about as divisive a month as we maybe have ever seen for all kinds of different reasons. In fact, I read something uh, the other day, uh, you can check out this little chart here. It was talking about how um, they asked people, different countries, do you see your country as being more divided or less divided due to uh, coronavirus and COVID-19? And you can see from this chart that it was clearly the U.S. We are in last place in terms of a country self-reporting if they're divided or not. Um, guys, we're in a divided time as much as I can ever remember in my life. I hope you look at me for a second and listen to this plea to you. If, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the world so desperately needs right now in this season for you to be a peacemaker, for you to be someone who models what Jesus modeled and teaches what Jesus taught, for us to live it out in our lives, in the way we respond to the news, in the way we respond to social media, in the way we respond to our coworker who baits us, in the way that a family member treats us, uh, in the way that we judge others. We are called deeply right now to follow in the path of Jesus. The world is desperate for it. You think about Jesus, he was about peace from the very beginning. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Later on, Jesus walked up to Jerusalem and looked at it, and he's standing on a hill, and he said, Oh, I wish, I wish. He's weeping when he says this in Luke 19. I wish that you understood, you of all people, I wish that you understood the way of peace. And he's crying as he says this. When Jesus is in the garden and he's arrested, one of his disciples who still didn't understand how Jesus was wired and what Jesus wanted and the kingdom of God and what it meant, pulled out a sword and like hacked one of the guys trying to arrest Jesus. And Jesus said, put that away. Put the sword away. Don't you know I could have tens and thousands of angels come down and take care of this right now? That's Jesus' quote. Because Jesus was about peace. He was about taking people going in different directions and saying to them, I'm going to unite you in a cause that is greater than yourself. And he did it over and over again. You guys, I want to just ask you uh, and beg you, in this season, could you be different? You know, the series is called Life Together. You're going to, some of your in core groups, we've got a ton of people who are signing up and leading core groups. And uh, you're going to be in groups with people going opposite directions. Can you be somebody that brings people together? And where you work, in your home, could you be somebody that brings people together? You know, I often think um, my problem is, is I'll read the news and I just, I get uh, jaded quickly and I make really fast judgments and I get angry. And I just reminded of Jesus' words, again, going back to Matthew 5, Jesus' words, 
do not judge or you too will be judged. And in the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Think about that. Do not judge because it will be measured in the same way back to you. Those are serious words when you think about some of our responses to people that either are in our lives or that we read about. Do not judge. Be a peacemaker in this season. Sometimes I think that, uh, yeah, I guess what I need to do is just keep my mouth shut sometimes or I just need to um, not hate somebody. Like the bar is not hating someone. That's a pretty low bar. <laughs> like, I, that might be um, an ethical world low bar. It ain't Jesus bar. Jesus got a high bar when it comes to thinking about what are we called to do when it comes to peacemaking. And he had a little pattern. Uh, I want to show you this. This is a much, much more artistic drawing than the last one you saw, I know. Um, but Jesus does this beautifully and he does it time and time again in probably his most important teaching, which is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Um, Jesus 14 times follows a pattern where he tells us how things are. He tells us if you keep doing things the way the world is doing them, you will be in a vicious cycle. And then he offers an alternative and says, actually, this is what I want you to do. If you're going to be my follower, this is how I want you to be. So I, let me show you an example. This is from Matthew chapter 5. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. Okay, so pause for a second. He's telling you how things are, right? The punishment's got to match the injury. That's, that's how the world works. This is reality right here. He's, he's laying it out for you. Now, he's going to show you what happens when we keep living into the way things are. Here's what he says. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if you follow that, if you follow that advice of the world, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you hit me, I hit you, you took mine, I'll take yours, you said something about me on social media, I'm going to say it back, I disagree with you, so take that, you know, you enter into a vicious cycle. So if we keep going with the way things are, we will continue into a vicious cycle and we'll just keep going with how things are. Jesus is explaining to us in the scripture exactly how the world works. And 2,000 years later, it is working the same way. And we constantly think, well, if this will just happen or that'll just happen, that the world will change and this will... No, it won't. It's not going to change as long as we as human beings continue to live into the vicious cycle that Jesus is describing. Now, here's the deal. Often, those of us who call Christians are doing the worst job of this. Because I got to be honest, as I look around the world right now, I'm not seeing people who are followers of Jesus really changing this. In fact, often, some churches, some people, some Christians, and often me, we're leading the charge on just pushing this vicious cycle down the road. And Jesus is saying, there's a different way. Look what he says as he continues on. He says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. 
If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat. If a soldier, remember one of those Romans, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Jesus suggesting a different way. Okay, often when people see this, they um, will sometimes think, Jesus just asked me to be a pushover. Somebody does something wrong to me, I just roll over. I don't know about you, I'm not totally wired that way. You can ask people that know me, that one comes hard for me. But Jesus is actually asking us to do probably the most disruptive thing that you can do in the face of injustice. So the Roman soldier asks the person to carry their bags a mile and you carry it a second mile? Guys, what Jesus is so brilliant of saying is, guys, when you have an enemy, when you have somebody who's going a different direction than you, when, when there is someone who is driving you crazy, who you really can't stand, who you've gotten to a point of judgment with, show them such amazing grace, show them such incredible kindness that it is absolutely shocking and it surprises them and, and, and disrupts them and makes them wonder what is happening. Because if you live in the vicious cycle, you can keep going and feel justified. Anyone who lives in the cycle, you hit me, I hit you. If you live in that cycle, you always feel like you have the right to do so. Well, they did it to me, so I'm just doing it back. It's just the right thing. What happens when you know you hit somebody and they bless you in return. Jesus knew that now you are putting your enemy into a position where they have a dilemma on their hands. Here they feel justified. Now if they punch you back, now they have an ethical dilemma on their hands. I don't know that I can do that. They treated me like this. Now clearly I'm the one in the wrong. In the vicious cycle, everybody thinks the other party's in the wrong. But if you follow Jesus' teaching, it makes it really clear very quickly who's in the wrong and who's not. And it disrupts the whole thing. And that, my friends, I believe is the only way to get out of the world that we're living in right now is if those of us who would say we want to follow Jesus with our whole lives intentionally decide we're going to leave the way of the world behind this month in the United States with everything going on, all the different parties at the table, we leave the way of the world behind and the vicious cycle behind and we practice Jesus' teaching. What would happen? What would happen if you did that? Easy to say, difficult to do. I wanna give you a couple thoughts about how we do that. But first, I want us to sing this song. And as you sing this song, maybe pray about this and listen and hear is God speaking to you on this. And so our team is gonna lead us right now. I searched the world It couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures the thing I never know and you 
such a love, Becky and the team. I just feel like every week they bless us so much. I hope during that time you are able to really hear God speaking to you. And I hope about this. I hope about this question. How do we, how do we love our enemies? How do we make peace? How do we be that person who, it's not just this low bar of, I'm not going to hate somebody. It's a high bar of actually being active about loving our enemies in a way that actually surprises them. How do we do that? I got some bad news. It won't happen because of your willpower. Uh, you will not wake up uh, tomorrow and just decide, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love my enemies and you're like on it. Uh, and just to be clear, um, if we think that that's possible, I actually think we might be worshiping our willpower, uh, worshiping ourselves in this odd way. No, 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 no. We, we're too delicate of creatures uh, to love our enemies. We need help. <laughs> we, we need a lot of help. And guys, that is where the Spirit of God comes into play. Uh, the disciples that Jesus was teaching about this, trust me, they didn't do that on their own willpower. They did it because they walked with Jesus and the Spirit of God was enabled to work through them. So here's the real question. What are you doing that, cre that, that changes you into a different kind of person? where loving your enemies becomes natural. What are you doing that changes you into a different kind of person where loving your enemies becomes the natural response of who you are? It's stuff like spending time with the Lord. It is asking for this. It is waking up tomorrow and saying, God, I got to have your help in this. I got to have you shift me. I got to fundamentally become a new kind of person that does not live in the vicious cycle, but somebody who actually is gonna follow Jesus' teaching, that takes almost a miracle, honestly. Given what we see in the world today, you will stick out like a unicorn. And the way that that happens, guys, is only through the Spirit. So my question is, what are you doing to develop that in your life? Who is ahead of you in that race who can help coach you toward becoming the kind of person who can do this? And who is the enemy that you most want to pray about that God would help you love? It might be somebody in your house or it might be somebody you read about online. Who is that enemy that God is going to shape and change you into a new person? It won't happen with your willpower. It will happen with the Spirit's power. And I want to pray that over you. As we go just in this last part, I want to pray that over you. And may God help us to be peacemakers this month. God, we just pray that especially given the world and where we're at and everything going on, the world is so desperate for people who follow Jesus, love him and reflect that love in the way we live it out. Help us to do that, God, as individuals and as a church. And we pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, those are powerful words and such a challenging call to action. And I know as I listen that I have so far to go on that road myself. One of the things I'm most grateful for is the people who are walking on that road with me. And I just wanna put in one last reminder that you don't have to walk that road alone. You can invite other people to be a part of that journey of you becoming the sort of person who naturally loves 
his or her enemies by being a part of a core group. So we hope you guys will check that out. Listen, everybody, have a really great week. We can't wait to see you soon.